the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Global stocks have paused a bit as traders are awaiting the stimulus decision. When Nancy Pelosi said on Sunday, I want stimulus no later than Tuesday at midnight. Well, you kind of want to take her for a word on it until you don't, right? Uh, will we get stimulus by the end, by the start of tomorrow? If we do, markets probably move higher. Again, we are two weeks, two weeks away from the election. Um, and it's been a bizarre election season filled with many bizarre and false theories out there, but I won't get into that. Um, COVID yesterday, Dr. Scott Gottlieb went around some of the news stations and talked about how we're about a week away from rapid acceleration of coronavirus cases. The fall and winter season is when coronavirus is going to want to spread. He says we could look to happier days ahead, but these are going to be some tough months. Um, and I get it. Um, I believe in science, so I'm saying he probably has more than I do. He went on to say the summer was sort of a backdrop because of its warmer months to stop the surge. People aren't coughing and sneezing as much. The fall and winter season is here, and that's when it's going to want to spread. I just boiled that down to coughing and sneezing. I don't think that's right, but I think it's the right idea. Um, he said, I'm optimistic about vaccine trials. Everything I'm reading is we should start seeing results late October when they're leaked or early November when they're published. After that, the studies start getting wound up. They're turning over to officials to look and eyeball. Uh, once they're approved by the officials, they go to manufacture. Gavin Newsom said, realistically, California, we're not going to have widespread distribution until spring or summer of 2021. That makes me think the economy is going to be held back until spring or summer of 2021 before we all wander back in and see what's left of our office and wander back in and see what's left of, of the workplace environment. And does demand return or are we going to see further downsizing in the future? That's my quick summary of what I'm seeing currently. On top of that, we are in earnings season. We are in earnings season that's going to quickly turn into the holiday shopping season. So earnings season is very much so, how have you done in the last 90 days on Wall Street? But it's also about, tell us what you think the next 90 days looks like. We know fewer people want to go into stores because of anxiety. Perfect time to fly right now if you don't believe in COVID because um, there's fewer people at security. There's fewer people in airplanes. Same thing with the Super uh, the World Series. 
I saw prices for the World Series is it's 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 priced in pretty hit. It's good. It's doing well. They're not going to sell as many tickets, of course. But the World Series starts tonight, and the Los Angeles Dodgers are being credited by the the fans, uh, causing a spike in ticket prices. There's 11,500 tickets available for sale for each game, so I think that's about 25% capacity in the Syria uh, in the stadium down in Texas. Sounds about right. The prices are ranging between $1,600 and $17,000 per seat right now. If the World Series goes seven games, the tickets will get up to $20,000. The first game people want to see nostalgically in person. Games two and three are typically the games where you can get the best value because a winner can't be determined. The Department of Justice is suing Google. Great. Google to Moogle to. Um, sometimes I, I, I hate when I say I kind of agree with Kramer. Uh, he says it just turned the stock from a buy to a strong buy. If the Department of Justice is able to act, and again, there's no words of punishment in what they've delivered so far, but they have accused Google of a network of legal exclusionary business deals, which disadvantage smaller companies. Google unfairly pays smartphone manufacturers to place its apps front and center by pre-installing them on handsets. It pays companies like Apple billions of dollars to have their search engine placed front and center. And I go, what other search engines are there? Well, there's Bing. And then I go, what else? <laughs> and you start running out of ideas, right? Um, but companies like Firefox can't pay as much as companies like Google can. So House Democrats earlier this month said Google, Apple, Facebook, and Amazon all look like they're abusing monopoly powers. They're acting like oil barons and uh, railroad tycoons. 50 state attorney generals are looking into Google right now. I own a home 10 miles from Google. If Google gets broken up, it's probably bad for my real estate prices. Let's say they send the office products that they have. And they say, those guys, those guys got to separate from the search products. And the search products have to separate from the TV products. Well, the TV may say, we're better served in Texas. And they may say, goodbye, California. Your taxes are too high for us. And we're not going to make as much money from other obligations and other plays. Therefore, we're going to pay our employees less. So if they were to break up the company, the stock goes higher, much higher. If they don't, the stock has been viewed as having monopolistic powers and the government can't do anything about it. For people who have homes close to the company, it could be problematic. Three very, very different scenarios and all have strong likelihoods of being played out. No, let me change, scratch that. Not strong likelihoods, but you get the idea. Whereas you're picking up what I'm trying to put down. Procter & Gamble reported earnings this morning. Procter & Gamble makes things like Crest Toothpaste and Vicks and Pepto-Bismol and Oral-B. Um, they make Gillette. They make Venus Razors. They make baby food. They make health care products. They make family care pampers. Bounty, paper towels, Charmin toilet paper. Do you remember Mr. Whipple? And he'd always get mad at the housewife for squeezing the Charmin. I hated that man. He was a villain in my eyes. Like, just let the lady squeeze the toilet paper, dude. It's not yours. You're just a store manager. So Procter & Gamble said they expect to see sales growth about 3 to 4% during fiscal 2021. And they said... 
our brands aren't really being traded in for um, generic brands. Like Vicks cough drops might be traded in for like a Walgreens drop. Pepto-Bismol might go wall Pepto-Bismol or the CVS brand of Oral-B. A lot of the things that we consume have active ingredients, and it's not hard to say when they come off patent, let's just make a generic version of it. It's really interesting. I come back to this because it's just, it fascinates me. The amount of people, the percentage of people who are willing to use store-bought brands, like the Safeway corn versus the Green Giant corn, or the gasoline from like uh, Crazy Charlie's versus Exxon stations or mobile stations. They say that if you're college educated, you're more likely to use brand, uh, discount brands. And high school educated wants to associate themselves with the brands. So the high school educated people are more willing to pay for the marketing and advertising of the same exact product. I don't think it always works out like that, but it is interesting to know. Um, but Parker and Gamble says people aren't going cheap right now. They're still going after brand names. That should give consumers a little hope. And giving consumers a little hope, that should give businesses and the economy a little hope. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm a big fan of college U2 as well as fatherhood U2. This is Bono singing to his daughter, You're the Best Thing About Me. What a dad. I'm a little optimistic when I hear stuff like this. Two weeks before the election, the United States economy rebound continues to slow. Thanks in part to lack of assistance from Washington. Maybe we'll get that resolved a little bit tonight. New waves of coronavirus infections and cooler weather ahead probably says a little less travel. Some problems with COVID. Jobless claims that restaurant bookings are either worsening or showing no improvement. Millions upon millions of, of people around the world have lost their jobs. Don't let that get lost on you. The amount of poverty created when you lose a job is staggering. We've seen 8 million cases of poverty hit the United States since the pandemic hit in March. And when I call it a case of poverty, that doesn't say the right thing. Kids being hungry. Uh, parents not funding retirement accounts. Parents not sending their kids to school. Parents saying, I can't afford college anymore for you. You're on your own. But, hmm. Interesting, I was looking through the earnings reports on Procter & Gamble this morning. And they sell a lot of stuff. Pepto-Bismol, Oral-B, Safeguard Hand Soap, Oil of Lay. The, the one that struck me was funny was Gillette and Venus. Venus are the female razor blades, and Gillette are the male razor blades. And I love... Procter & Gamble, or when Gillette was publicly traded by itself before they got acquired in the 90s, they used to come out with these like Mach 2 razors and they debuted during the Super Bowl because there's 100 million eyeballs watching the Super Bowl. And you're like, it's a Mach 2! And they'd have these commercials and the lights are hitting the razor blade and a, a man is throwing on soapy lather and he's got a beautiful woman draped on his shoulder who, who 
looks at his whisker bird and is like, I love it when you've got a clean face, shaved face. And I was like, I want a mock too, so I can have a beautiful one draped over my shoulder because I'm watching the Super Bowl with a hundred million other people and I'm so easily influenced by what you're gonna do. Oh, wait, there's a Mach three next year. And you'd get excited by razor blades. I know it's almost impossible to think, but that's what the Super Bowl advertising kicked the game up to. They made that, you know, demand of Apple go wait in line for the next big thing. That was part of their shtick for razor blades. But what's interesting is in the razor blades, the lady version of their brand is called Venus. And um, that's for women who take showers and need to uh, pull a razor blade up their legs and make it creamy, silky, smooth and soft. Because a woman's natural body would never please men. No, not hair or stubble. Yeah, there's some issues there. But the Venus blades are selling really well, whereas the men's Gillette, not so much. We're not going to work as often as we used to, and if we do, we're like, ah, you can take the five o'clock shadow. That's my COVID shadow. So men are cutting down while women are picking up. Everything else out of um, Procter & Gamble is pretty solid. Other stories of note today, um, a big earnings report for me. Tonight's going to be big for the fiscal stimulus, or lack thereof. And maybe it gets pushed to Wednesday. I don't know. Maybe they come back and say, we're so close, we're going to do one more day of negotiations. But Thursday's going to be a big one for me. That's when the airlines report. American Southwest, Alaska, Delta, 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 Delta. Um, American and Delta have awful infrastructures they're a little bit too unionized which is not a bad thing i'm not knocking unions but they're not great for profits i know you're like dang you rob black you and your profits i'm only talking about it as being an investor don't get mad if you write a hate letter to the station just remember my last name is radnich it's a joke gary it's a joke gary calm down gary it's a joke um, but yeah, they're going to report on Thursday and air travel seems to be improving, but the losses are going to be big, but they're also going to be looking at the government on Tuesday night and Wednesday. Any more handouts for us? Because job losses are coming. Um, that's out there. That's a real story. Another big one that I want to talk about is Zoom and Tesla have entered the ranks of Interbrand's 2020 best global brands. Zoom comes in at number 100, and this list of brands, visually looking at it, I can make an investment portfolio audit of, lar of large cap companies um, that I like, that aren't offensive. The top 10, you could almost have a portfolio of these guys and be done with investing, but you're only getting large cap international companies, which there's nothing wrong with just large cap international companies. It's one way of playing it. It's not as diversified. It's not going to do you as well when there's a, a bad year in the market where maybe we sell off our big winners of large caps and maybe we hide in small caps. But I'm okay just taking a look at the list of the top 10 and talking about them ever so quickly. Apple, long-term accumulate. New iPhone 12 selling well in China. That's off to a good start. Number two on the list of brands, and I should have gone number 10 to number one, but I went the other way. Amazon, they dominate retail. Let's say you own Apple and Amazon. You have a tech company, phone company, um, and you have a, a retailer. So you're, you're diversifying sectors right there. 
Number three on the list, Microsoft. Number four, Google. I can make a case for all four of those. Then you get to Samsung. I'll be honest with you. I already have my smartphone company. Even though Samsung's more diversified than Apple, the problem I have with Samsung is I've never been to South Korea. Um, and I don't really want to go. For In my investment portfolio, I'm happy with knowing what I know. I've seen statistics on Samsung where they try phones and they try these advanced features and their phones are probably better than our phones, but they don't, they don't pull it off as well. The, the polish isn't there or they do that flip phone, clam phone thing. And the screen breaks after two days in the hands of reviewers. Like that should have been better thought out here. You made a bold move and you dropped the ball. Okay. So out of the top five, the only one I'm dropping so far is Samsung. Number six, Coca-Cola. Why not? Money doubles every seven years in stocks like Coca-Cola. Every five years, actually, in Coca-Cola. Number seven on the list, Toyota. And then BMW. And then Audi. I don't need any of those guys. I'm not a car guy. In investments, it's okay to say uh, there's areas that you're good at and there's areas that you're not good at. I can make a case for Tesla for one statistic only. By the year 2035, California, uh, California, by the year 2035, California is going to demand all cars being sold are EV electric vehicles. That positions Tesla really, really well because there's about 2% of the market right now. And it'll be about 100% electric vehicles in the year 2035. They make the batteries. They also make expensive cars. They've got a 10-year lead on everyone. So let's jump up the year from 2020 today to 2030. Will competition catch them that much in five years? I don't know. Elsewhere on the list, I see Facebook. I like it. Nike. Louis Vuitton, Moe, Hennessy. I'm good with. I could drop Cisco and SAP. I can go with American Express or UPS, maybe Pepsi over Coke, Adobe. The list of brand names creates a list of buying stock, uh, stocks that you could potentially start your research with. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Got some good new downloads at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. School reopenings in the United States have led to a rise in the new per capita coronavirus cases. So says Moody's Analytics. Many proponents of reopening schools point out that many students are left behind the curve when it comes to virtual learning. Sentiment echoed by parents, academics, and much, much more. I saw some data on every month of schooling that a child loses between K through 12 equals about $15,000 of earnings in their lifetime. So you miss... 10 months, that's 150000 less that you're going to earn. In theory, if you believe this data analytics, if that could even be true or not, I could tell you that America is behind other countries in quality of education. We don't have to argue it too much. We're, we're probably 20th in the world. Some years we're probably 18, some years we're probably 22nd. But the quality of the math and science scores, the English scores, the writing, we're not leading the world. And if we wanted to invest in that, you basically invest in higher earners. 
and higher earners pay higher taxes. I think education is always a good place to invest. And there's certain people that I'm in love with that I always wanted to marry an elementary school teacher when I was like 10 or 12. I just, I think they're the greatest people on earth. And maybe I had a rough 10 or 12 year old as a child. So maybe I, those were the people that saved me the most. But we need to invest in paying our teachers more. Don't know how. That's your problem to figure out. But nearly two months into the academic year in some areas, we're starting to see the results of decisions to reopen early. So says Moody's Analytics. The Dakotas are an example of states that look to be paying the price for aggressive school reopenings. North and South Dakota added more cases on a per capita basis than the New York City Metro Division did at the height of its outbreak back in March and April. On a per capita basis, North and South Dakota beat New York City. If you ever go to New York City, I could tell you it is dirty, it's filthy, it's foul. It's gotten better in the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. I look at cities on their 10-year basis. 30 years ago, you know, Dave Letterman could do a joke about, oh, it's springtime. It's the, the annual passage of the year where the, the frozen spit melts. So you think of New York City as you know, subways and packed people and people all over each other. You think of South Dakota and North Dakota as wide open, friendly spaces with horses. Um, you stay a horse length away from me because that COVID's rough. Whereas in New York City, you, you're on top of each other. So the Dakotas aren't doing great. Which again, brings us to the thought of what Gavin Newsom said yesterday. He doesn't think California will be get widespread vaccines until the spring or summer. So I don't see how we go back to school. We're not the North and South Dakotas. Now, again, every state's going to be a little different, whether they're Republican or Democrat governors. I don't care. All I can tell you is this is not widespread economic opening up. Global stocks are pausing today as we await stimulus. Will we or will we not get stimulus from Nancy Pelosi and Steve Mnuchin? More importantly, two weeks away from the election, we're also two weeks away from California's Prop 22. This is an interesting one. <clears throat> Uber and Lyft, you've probably seen the commercials. It's the most expensive ballot measure in the history of the state of California. And it's pretty interesting because Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, and Postmates have put $189 million behind Prop 22. Now, the pro-labor groups have cobbled together $16 million in opposition. So let's just round those both up. $200 million versus $20 million. 10 to 1, right? So in theory, if you believe marketing wins, Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, and Postmates should win. Now, what is Prop 22? The best I can tell you is it's a measure that would allow ride-hailing and food delivery companies to continue flouting a state law which went into effect earlier this year, designed to classify drivers as employees. The companies are arguing that the provision would enshrine the freedom enjoyed by gig workers to choose their own hours. So you've probably seen commercials like, I'm a mom and I could, you know, drive DoorDash for two hours in the middle of the afternoon and make ends meet for my family while I wait for my kids to come home. What's wrong with that? Whereas labor rights advocates say, you know, you should get health care. You should get vacation time. You should have them pay half of your Social Security. There's a lot at stake here. 
um, because Uber and Lyft are billion-dollar companies for a reason. There's mind-numbing legalese in Prop 22. In reading Prop 22, the author of Prop 22 kind of freaked me out. It prohibits any change to the law unless it's consistent with the proposal's intent and more notably can garner a seventh eighth majority in each house of the state legislature. <sighs> it's a super, super, super majority, that means. It's crazy. Um, the way this law or this proposition is being written, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I've lived in California for over 20 years. I'm not really sure I like the proposition process. When you could see one group raising $20 to the other group's one, I'm not really sure that our laws aren't being paid for. I'm not smart enough. I want to get older and read fiction books. Some people want to get older and get involved in politics and know every single thing about their state and their city. I'm the opposite. Um, what proponents want is unchangeable. Once they get this set in a proposition, asking for a super, super, super majority, probably never going to happen. So it raises an incredibly high bar. Silicon Valley is locking into place what it wants. Flexibility. They want the worker to have flexibility, and they don't, as companies, want to be on the hook. Now, the proposal's proponents say that it'll ensure companies are able to tap into an on-demand workforce that wants flexibility. To be in college, to be a gig worker, it would have been ideal. I had to work, uh, you know, waiter jobs and, you know, like pizza deliveries. I love the idea of just having a car and saying, hey, I'll deliver pizzas for two hours, but you're not going to tell me I'm coming in every Friday night because I want to go on dates on Friday night and not study. So I, I get the freedom side of it. Making the bar so high for changes to the law is mind-numbing. And no one's looking at that because no one's actually reading it. They're just watching the ads on TV. Instacart have come a long way during the pandemic. Instacart recently hit business targets, not expected until 2025. They've added 600,000 people to its army of shoppers in mere months. Uh, when, when COVID hit hard, I got Instacart. Um, you know, my sugar booger, my spouse, she probably did wipe the bags and, you know, just to double check or triple check kind of thing. I was like, that's a little aggressive. But um, we've seen it. Prop 22 offers a health insurance stipend for drivers who work more than 15 hours a week. It's also going to require companies to pay medical costs and some lost wages if a worker is injured while working or waiting on the job. You don't stop and think about that. The guy who's delivering your lunch today. He gets rear-ended and can't work for three months. Who pays him? Right? A third provision guarantees companies will pay 20% more than local hourly minimum wage, but only for the timer the drive spends uh, driving. Time spent waiting around, which makes up about one-third of rideshare drivers' working day, is not paid. Um, it's a little complicated. It's a little messy. But that's one thing that I don't like about California's proposition system. Clearly, Uber, Instacart, um, Grubhub, Lyft, Postmates, DoorDash, they've been, out, they've been able to hit Wall Street money to the tune of $189 million of ads. 
it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to defeat that because we're we're pretty sim, uh, sympathetic to the commercials of the stay-at-home mom wants to raise her children. But in between, she wants to make a little extra money so that she could feed her children because her husband lost his job. You're like, oh, heart-tugging commercial. I don't want her kids not to eat. I better vote for this proposition. I'm not a big proposition fan. But again, California is wonky. Lowe's. It's kind of a poor man's Home Depot. I like them both. I like Home Depot a little bit more than Lowe's. We got a little bit more of a footprint. Lowe's has been one of the lucky ones during the pandemic. Home improvements and pandemic go hand in hand. So if you ever see a pandemic coming again, which was pretty funny, Borat was on Jimmy Kimmel last night. There's only two things to watch on network TV now. Late night comedy, late night talk shows, and sports. But the character is he's a Russian country, satellite country, that doesn't like Israel. It's incredibly politically incorrect. So Borat comes out and he's spraying the set. And Jimmy Kimmel's like, what are you doing, you weirdo? And he goes, the Wuhan is a county, it's a city in Israel. <laughs> and you're like, misinformation, disinformation is... It's funny when you see it. It's not so funny when you don't see it. Um, and again, he, he's probably only an incredibly offensive character to a lot of people. But my family grew up with incredibly offensive characters. We're okay. A lot of the movies we watched as children, we couldn't watch as adults. Let's say Blazing Saddles, number one. Mel Brooks couldn't get that made today. Anyhow, Lowe's is trying to get holiday sales now because we're doing the home improvements. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Little Weezer. If I were to have like six-fingered hands, I can count on one hand how many what my favorite bands are. This is Can't Stop the Hustle, which is about being a YouTube, not a YouTube, but a Google, a Lyft or Uber driver. A little side hustle. Um, one of my favorite things to do is read. I was an avid reader as a child. I can read a complete 350-page book in a week easy in my spare time. I learned everything that I've ever learned in a book. Joseph Campbell once wrote something along the lines of, I learned passion, I learned anger, I learned revenge while reading a book. Everything I've ever learned, I've learned in a book. I mostly agree with that statement. Of course, there's some things like college experimentation. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about anything dirty. Just getting out on your own. You probably learned a couple more life lessons, but everything I've ever learned, I've learned in a book. So I love to read. There's a writer for Bloomberg. I talked a little bit about Bloomberg yesterday as a great news source. It's very expensive on a monthly basis, but it's a great resource. She works for Bloomberg, and she talked about being a guinea pig for Pfizer's COVID vaccine. I'm like, this is interesting. I've done experiments, medical experiments in college. The United States military offered me $4,000 to stay awake for four days in a row. And on the fifth day, they were going to test my results. 
their idea was let's test what young men go through in a wartime scenario where there's gunfires and stuff. So for four days, we had to stay awake as a test group. Um, they did EKG readings. They, they monitored our uh, sleep when we finally did sleep. What was happening in the brain? Did we arrest? Did we not? Did caffeine work? Did Maybe they were giving us meth. I don't think so, but maybe. What were they doing to keep us awake? We got to play a lot of video games and talk and read. It, it was a little bit of torture. I'm not saying it's like being in prison because I've never been in prison for that long. <laughs> Notice the, the little hint there, not that long, that long. Okay. Anyway, she's writing about the vaccine trials and um, she has volunteered herself to be a, a vaccination candidate. Like who does that? Dozens of vaccines are going on across the country, um, across the world. Uh, we are in a warp speed program. People think you're crazy if you volunteer for a COVID vaccine testing. But when you live in San Francisco, you kind of live in a beta culture, beta test culture world. I try all of Apple's new software six months before you do. And they're like, warning, this may crash your phone. Warning, you may lose all your data. I'm like, I got to do it. Um, so she headed to a cre uh, clinic in Walnut Creek. She basically got lots and lots of paperwork. Then she watched a video on an iPad about what's going to happen. Then a doctor came in, a plebo, a flebo Thomas. I can't even say what this doctor does. A flebo Thomas took blood samples. She went for a COVID test. She went to a bear in Rome, blue medical armchair, sat down and received a shot. She didn't know it was a placebo or if it was the real thing. No one's telling for seven days afterward. Uh, her phone would beep in the middle of the night. She had to take her thermometer. She had to take a picture of it. She had to uh, see if she could measure for any swelling. She had to have a health diary. Three weeks later, she returns midday for another shot. That time, she said, my throat felt itchy. Almost as soon as the needle punctured my arm, my temperature rose almost two degrees. When she arrived at the clinic, it was at 98.3. Then it jumps to two, uh, 100, not 200. She felt okay. In the middle of the night, she felt achy everywhere. Even in her teeth, her throat was dry. Her skin burned. She fell back asleep when the alarm sounded. She felt exhausted. I canceled an online exercise class. She trudged through the work day. Her arm itched like crazy. The situation improved by the evening with symptoms gone except for the itching. Okay. Um, so you could kind of see what a vaccine looks like. First three weeks went super well. Next three, uh, next shot went, it flared symptoms in her. Not COVID symptoms, but allergic reaction symptoms. Uh, maybe she didn't tolerate a higher dose as well, but she, it was interesting. Her app still pings. She's been back to the clinic one more time. So the uh, doctors can test for antibodies. She'll be there three more times over the next two years. Um... Her final line, and I, her name's Sarah McBride, and it was just so well written because I think we all want to know what it's like to be in a vaccine trial. And she tells us, this is her best statement of the whole article. The vaccine may be coming at warp speed, but true normalcy seems like it could be a long way off. I don't think she's going to win a Pulitzer Prize for that. It's not that great, but it's an insight that I, I respect enormously for a writer i've knocked young writers like um 
I used to love the New York Times. And uh, oftentimes I'll say, I like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal because they got the best journalists. The San Francisco Chronicle used to have a guy named Dave Lazarus, who was a consumer rights guy. He's a great writer. He's a great consumer rights guy. But the Chronicle couldn't sell enough subscriptions to keep him. So they've got another guy now, and I'm just going to make up a name, Little Stevie. Little Stevie's not as good at it. I sometimes knock some of the young journalists because they're being forced to do a job that it used to be for a high qualified, highly experienced expert in the field. And there's not, there's not, nothing saying that Sarah McBride won't become an expert in vaccine trial writing and medical testing. Um, she very well could, but the industry, it's rare when you could say, I really respect someone. I think she did a really nice job with that. American Delta and Southwest and Alaska are going to report on Thursday. That's the big day of the week for me, economically speaking. Yes, there's some things like Nike this week and Netflix and Tesla. Absolutely important. But the airlines are the ones that I'm going to be keying in on. Tonight, do we get stimulus or not? It'll make for an interesting morning tomorrow. And I'll be here talking with you. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. There's some new blogs and some new downloadables. As we wrap up the year and look towards next year, get yourself ready for it. There's an article on what to do with election investing. Check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Ron Black talking to all things financial, money investing, and more.